Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Filmoids podcast featuring Jonah. Uh, and, Hello. Yes, and I'm Mahoney. Um, and today we're taking quite a diversion, or as some might say, a diversion, um, into the clear. French New Wave with uh, a few works that we've analyzed by the director Jean, is it, is it Jean-Claude Melville? Am I right about that? Or Jean-Pierre Melville? It's Jean-Pierre, Jean-Pierre. Yeah. Jean-Pierre Melville. And it's not, and the, what's funny about it, of course, is that it's not Melville, it's Melville, because it's a, it's a pen name that he stole from Herman Melville, right? Yes, that's correct. Interesting. <laughs> uh, I think he was, yeah, he was like born, like he's Jewish. So I think he has like a Judaized, like he's an Alsatian Jew. So it's like Germanized. Yeah. Anyway, so what did we watch? What did we watch this week, Jonah? We watched En Flic, mm -hmm. uh, which was a heist movie in 1972. We watched, um, I can't do the French for this one, but... Um, Oh, Les God, Samurai. Well, yes, Les Samurai, which Les Samurai, uh, Reddit Samurai, which came out in nineteen sixty-seven. I want to say sixty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. And and then Piet, what the heck? What's the What's the name of the, Leon Leon Maureen Priest? I was trying yes. to do the French one. That's I, I watched them in. Should I have not watched them in chronological order? Because I watched them in chronological. I order. I actually did. I actually did. I kind of. I, I don't know why I did it like in backwards order. What did you think was the best one? In terms of quality, I would say *Le Samurai* was a very tightly made film. I agree. Um, I remember you telling me right after you watched a. Uh, Leon Marine, that you did not like that one. No, I didn't. Well, it was okay, but I kind of didn't like it. We can get wait. We that. can start with this one because I believe yeah. it's the earliest as well. It, right? Yes, no, that yeah, it was like sixty one, and it was you know about World War Two and everything. So so, and I mean, in a certain sense, it was. It seems like a lot of uh, you know beyond just Les Samurai and um, Un Flic, there's a lot of other films. Uh, there's a lot of other Melville films. That are in that sort of crime thrillery style, and so Leon Marin Priest is sort of an outlier um, to like what he's known for. Um, Am I wrong okay, about that? so the the only the I, I think you're actually not necessarily well. Okay, so the only Melville film that I have seen that you have not is Army of Shadows, which came out in '69, I believe. And it is about World War Two. It's it's almost a, a synthesis of the two kind of mm. genres because it's based specifically on like a French resistance cell. I so think that I think you, well, the you other kind of you kind of you kind of have the tropes of like crime and secrecy and intrigue, but you also have the the historical back setting. Well, the other what one I'm say? well, I, I'm thinking of um, Les Cercles Rouges. Um, which is another highly regarded Melville film, and that's a, just another like 
you know, hard-boiled crime film with Alain Delon. Who, by the way, what a a cute little guy. What a handsome little fella. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But, yes, Leon Lunin Priest. We have different relationships to this movie for, you know, understandable uh, reasons relating to our differing worldviews, you might say. Um, But tell me what you liked about it. Okay, well, yes, I, um, Mahoney is referring to the fact that I am a Roman Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. This is a very uh, Roman Catholic-centered film, and it's very pro-Roman Catholic. In fact, the Vatican put it on its, like, top 70 films or whatever that it released in the 90s. Um, this is how I was introduced to it, even though I had already seen some Melville films, for for example, Army of Shadows, uh, prior to this. Um, I think the way it handles Catholicism is... I want to be clear, to, like, the reason I like it as a Catholic film is not necessarily just because I just agree with everything that happened in the movie. Because an important point in it is that, um, basically... Okay, so... Basic synopsis. There's a atheist communist woman in France during queen, the uh, beginning atheist, years of World War II. Just to be clear, an atheist communist queen. Let's just go with that. Of course. Of course, yeah. Um, she, like, on a lark, goes into confession to be like, oh, I'm a communist. Isn't this edgy? Uh, I can refute you. Mark said, blah, blah, blah. And, um... Wasn't there some family thing associated with it? Well, didn't... Was there I mean, not she some... was raised Catholic. Hold on and a she's also She was also a recent widow. Yeah, I, mean, I thought that I thought that it had to do with the fact that she was recently widowed. Yeah, but I... Th- okay, so it, it starts with... She's with her friend, who is also a communist. And they're like... So yeah. I guess oh, I guess the idea was she yeah. was particularly she was particularly jaded um and just sort of bitter at that time in large part due to the death of her husband who was killed uh in World War II. So that so she was just sort of going in there randomly but the mental state she was in had to do with the fact that she was grieving her husband. Right. That's, and that's also why I, was confused, I mean she yeah. she was quite a radical communist or whatever. Yes. Like it, at that point in her life she basically had no Nothing to do with religion. And she was just trying to, like, uh, be a fedora tipper. And she goes in and she starts quoting Marx or whatever. And uh, the priest, instead of, like, taking her on and, like... See, like, okay, so if I had to... Like, if this was just, like, red meat to someone like me, um, uh, the priest would just, like, refute her and, like, turn her into an atheist. Or turn her into a theist, right? And make her Catholic mm. or whatever. Like, that's a simple story, right? That's a pleasing story, right? She just keeps going to confession and slowly she gains faith because the priest is, like, based or something like that, right? But instead it's like, okay, she's bringing this stuff like up about Marx and about how the clergy is uh, too rich and there needs to be social reform. And the priest is like, yeah, I agree. Uh, what does this have to do with, like believing in god Mm. it's kind of it's like the left cast uh well 
you could make the argument that you know she's sort of projecting all of her she's sort of projecting all of her misgivings with you know traditional society and what she see basically in the you know another famous Jonah that we both know and love uh the actual Jonah Goldberg talks about how a lot of um left-wing normies will will take you know what we'll say i believe i believe in socialism i want socialism because i'm against capitalism and i'm against capitalism because black people are being killed by police and you know the rainforest blah that basically they don't mean by capitalism they don't mean the you know free enterprise and you know people being able to invest in corporations and blah 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 they mean like everything that has to do with western society is capitalism right and and mm-hmm. in the same sense maybe she says what in what small you know i'm frustrated i'm this communist and you know we're about to experience nazi encroachments um my husband my jewish husband was killed in this war by these uh anti by this anti-semitic empire um everything is closing in on me but i can at least you know go and go and scream at some priest because to to me he represents that too because he's part of the sort of bad non-communist team um it, I wonder if you could see something like that there. That that yes, he's saying to her, "What does this have to do with me?" But we can see it. We can see in like contemporary society plenty of examples of people like her um, that just sort of dichotomize everything. And if you're not with us, you're against us. And since, since she's a communist and he's a priest, he must be the enemy. That sort of a thing. Well, sure. I mean, I basically like certainly. I mean. If you remember her, like, conversations, like, she is impugning, like, directly uh, these sins onto him and the church in general because she sees the church as, as, and, of course, leftists in France have, since the revolution, uh, seen the church as counter-revolutionary. Sure. Inherently. So, um, the fact that he's basically, like, Listen, it's you are basically correct about like social conditions or whatever, but you don't know anything about theology. Here, I'll give you some books for free. Just read them, and we can talk about it. And this be this is this becomes like the central point the the evolution of the character uh, from someone who's a militant atheist to someone who. Uh, I'm only pausing because her she has a very weird relationship with the priest near the end of the movie, right? Because she well, gets like she horny does. for him. She does respect, yeah. And the priest is just like, "Hail, nah." I have a couple notes here, actually. That my two right. notes from this movie are number one: wish he got the puss, um, <laughs> like. Bro, like she's literally like, does, isn't there like a thing where he goes over her house and she like lies on her bed and is like, please just like hit it. So that was disappointing for me. But then the, the other thing, this is not a, this is not a deep point at all, but the Germans show up and they start <laughs> this they, and they're talking in, the, in her office about how they're like rounding up the Jews. And then each. <laughs> The professor is just looking over at them and eavesdropping, and he looks like the most insane, over-the-top Jewish stereotype. <laughs> like, yes, he's a pretty strong stereotype. Yeah, uh, 
Although, okay, so remember, she's also like horny for um for like the lady that she Jewish, works with. Yeah, the Jewish aide. Yeah, Sabina, I believe yeah. is her name. Um, uh, and I remember when she when she says like to the phrase, "I'm in love with Sabina." And he's just like, you don't know what love is. Like, owned. Owned epic style. I mean, does he know what love is? I mean, oh, he loves Jesus, so he knows what love is. He loves Jesus, yeah. Alright. Alright, bro. Like, bro's like, yeah, I've like never like touched a boob, but I know what love is. Okay. Alright. Um, do you love do you love boob? I do love boob. Um, I love I love epic boobage, actually, is the way I would put it, but um so let's so let's see well i did i did like her um i did like her sort of transformation that was interesting um and it was you know and obviously the 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 romantic arc was fun even if it didn't end the way i'd like because i what's interesting about it is so i sort of feel like if Antonioni had directed this, right? Like, if this were, like, a more modern... I mean, this is obviously why the Vatican said it's the good thing. But I'm saying, like, a real modern director would have made him succumb to his urges, right? Like, right. Like the way that you expect... Ooh, this is, like, an auteurish film from the 60s about a priest and a woman who flirts with him. And it's like, oh, like, he's doing it. Like, it's... Like, frankly, you're surprised she's not underage, but... Uh, Melville goes in the totally opposite direction and he maintains his resolve. Yeah, and Melville is, like, not, like, a trad cat. Yeah. By any means. Well, you know, it's funny, um, you know, uh, Pasolini, right? Of course. Right, um, his movie on Jesus' life, uh, I I think is just called The Gospel of Matthew, Mm -hmm. um, is on the same list. Pasolini of 120 Days of Sodom. Sure, sure. Great movie. And it's a totally faithful, um, you know, recreation of the major events of Jesus' life. Pasolini, in fact, later regrets it because it was too, like, nice to the church. Sure. So, I and I, I'm pretty sure Melville is not a religious man at all. And yet he makes, like, a very thoughtful... I believe it's it's based on a book. Is Martin uh, Scorsese a very serious Catholic? He says he is. Okay, because I mean, I don't like. I guess my point is that, and I'm not accusing you of this. You, you have, you have like the emotional depth to understand this. But I mean, people who are not religious can still make very thoughtful movies about religious. No, topics, no, no, no. Right? It's not that. I, it, it's well, okay. So they can, of course. Um, but often they try very hard not to. So it is very interesting when you get a Pasolini or a Melville who really tries to understand. Oh, and um, you've seen First Reformed, right? Uh, yes, made that of course. Feature? Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's not religious, but uh, a very interesting and thoughtful film that understands religion. Yeah. I would say those are pretty rare, though. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then, and then I remember he's moving out, um, and he's you know very Christ-like in the fact that he that he has like 
you know, one backpack full of personal belongings and that's about it. Um, but it was a very modern film in the sense that nothing happens, right? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? That, that, that well, there was a, uh, there's, there's, a, there's an emotional climax, then she tries to come on to him, but it sort of just ends. Okay. Go oh, ahead. yes. Yes, I mean the, the 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 scene near the end where she's just sitting in his empty. I I actually think that's a great ending, basically. Sure, I agree. Although, I mean, if I was to make Vatican propaganda, I probably wouldn't have ended it on that note. Maybe that's the big difference between ultimately what do you think, between Melville. What do you think and they would have done? Maybe some kind of real reconciliation where she, like, is, like, a, a lay person, like, you know, helping people, like, in the aftermath of World War Two or something like that. Because it feels like she's just, like, she's failed, basically. There's not a reconciliation. And in that sense, there's not a reconciliation with God, right? Because her connection with God is is not only leaving, but is sort of like, at least probably in her mind, is also like leaving because of her. Because he, she's either disgusting to him or too tempting. So she's uh, like pushed out. Too tempting. Of God. But yeah. Well, was it, was it implied that he, that he made the decision to go to a different village based on her, or that it was not, it was no, out no, no. of his well, hands. She, but, but I mean, how did, how does, who knows, right? Sure. She, he, cl- he claims that it's because of the, the parish is, yeah. but I mean, you know, if I, if I was her, I would definitely consider the idea that like, oh, I've made this man very uncomfortable. He doesn't even want to see me that much anymore. Yeah. He ghosted her. Yeah. He ghosted her hard. He's breadcrumbing her. Um, what would you say about the technical aspects of the movie? Uh, well, it was in black and white. <laughs> um, was there anything that impressed you or disappointed you in terms of that? Honestly, not that I picked up on. How about you? I would say... The same. I I was wondering. I I think you have a better cinematographer's eye than I do. Well, thank uh, but yeah, you. it did not strike me as a particularly technical. Ne- excuse me. Technically adept or technically like sloppy uh, work. So, on that note, mm-hmm. les samurai. Les samurai, which. I was introduced to which which translates, I believe, to the samurai. That's that's correct. So, kind of cool. People have used this as like an example of like the literally me genre. Okay, I see uh, that. Yeah, like like Drive with Ryan Gosling, like Drive, of course, or Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, well, I will say that Alan Delon. Rivals Ryan Gosling for uh, those those you know gorgeous gorgeous manly lips. looks right. Well, I don't know. I yeah. I wouldn't say I was paying attention to the lips, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was uh, 
it very it did very much feel like that. It was a nice it was a nice uh, suspenseful thriller. What I what I have on it what I what I thought was interesting about it was um, Kathy. The 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 the, the hooer. Um, no. Or the or the 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 piano player. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Why did she? Why did she protect uh, Costello's identity when she was Great. being questioned? Great question. I don't think there's. Mm. A, uh, like a perfectly good answer but there's a couple considerations here uh this was made in the 60s uh she is a biracial person she a very beautiful biracial person i might a add. very 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 uh becoming young yes woman. uh she's also basically a night whatever a nightclub player not exactly the top rungs of society um, it's possible she has a direct, um, what you would call it, feud or whatever quarrel with uh, the nightclub owner, which um, Le Samurai murders. But it's also possible that this is some kind of like social commentary, like oh, like, you know, us like underlings have to like stick together, like mm. or or like in of course in like America in Black America, right? There would be this expectation not to snitch. I imagine that that level of nuance would be... I mean, I don't want to question Melville, but this is a French movie that takes place in France. I don't know if those same um, social forces are maybe at work here, but it's possible. I mean, what I wrote, what I wrote here... Mm-hmm. Especially because that he did... w- she was just horny for him. Well, well, yeah. I mean that that that. I think ch- I, I think if, that's if a perfect. Enough, I think that's a perfectly. They'll exonerate sound... you of murder, right? That's the idea. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a perfectly sound theory. To be honest, um, Melville is part of a crowd that will emphasize certain, especially if we're talking sixties. Uh, he was running in the French New Wave crowd, which was definitely, um, you know, socially critical, you might say. Mm. Part of some kind of critical theory, even. Sure. Um, so it's certainly possible he would try to insert something like that, like um, whatever, cross-racial worker solidarity or something. But yeah, then again, he she might have just thought he was a dashing man and wanted to uh, protect him so that she would so that he would go out with her or something did they end up going out didn't he end up hang, seeing her again after uh, after before were, he dies after they were questioned yeah well no, no, no I mean she, well doesn't the, does he doesn't he call her right or or um, or, or show up at her apartment or something like that Yes, yes. That's right, yeah. And then obviously in the final scene he shows up at uh at the um at the club, but what's interesting there is that they they sort of they they stung him at the club. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, she, you know, and she, she sort of knows what's going on, and you wonder whether she was put up to it, um, or if she was just a bystander. You wonder if you wonder if she was involved in the plot to capture him at the club. I feel like they would have been more explicit about that because the whole point of it is kind of like the net's closing in, but and you can see the net. Like that's what like that's it, that's why it's like kind of like a tra- like a classic tragedy, as you see the detective working. And then you also see the gangsters trying to kill sure. Le Samoulon. Uh So the idea that like, oh, it's a surprise at the... I, I think that would probably have taken away a bit of the tragicness. Uh, his decision to go back um, is obviously like unclear. Like, why did he go back? Right? I, the nightclub is like I mean, it's like a death trap, basically, right? There's no, there's no like clear exit. Like, if you go in, you're not going to go out. It was, it should have been pretty clear to him. And of course, uh, Cindy uh, tries to make it clear to him when he approaches her that you have to get out of here. You can't be here. Right before, yeah, you know, the movie ends. Uh, The reason why I think he killed himself, or, you know, b- basically killed himself, was because he had, like, some kind of weird honor code to uphold or something like that. Like, he wanted to die in battle, basically. Suicide by cop. Which sort also, of. Which I also, mean, which I, also I, you know, plays a role in the, in the in, in Fleek, right? Yes. In in on fleek, it's it really is suicide by cop. Um, in the in the in the sense of like the modern sense of that, right? You're doing it out of desperate, just because like there's nothing else for me to do. Le Samurai could have like he had outs, but he was dishonored basically. I mean, and this like it's it's all like basically like. The modern hitman is the the new samurai or whatever. Like he was dishonored that people would go after him so much that he was willing to kill as many of them as possible until he died, basically. Sure. Like the at the end or near the end when um, the gangster is saying like, "Listen, bygones will be bygones. You just got to kill one more person," and he's just like. No, I'd rather die. Like, he, de- death rather than dishonor, basically. Sure. I think that's ultimately the reason why he goes to the nightclub to be killed. Well, and maybe that's ultimately the reason why they're calling it Le Samurai, right? Well, right, and, and there's the, the line of text at the beginning of the movie. It's like, there is no one lonelier than a samurai uh, than perhaps the tiger. Or something like that. That's like the first, the first thing in the movie, and then the parakeet starts like making sure. lots of noise. Another weird thing I noticed in this, I always notice how these weird details that are overlooked in this in these movies, and in this one, 
um, when 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 Kathy, the piano player, whenever she's distracted while she's performing, you know, if she if someone catches her eye and she starts making eyes at them, or when he approached her with a gun at the end, uh, the sort of the the sort of melodic line that she's improvising doesn't get altered at all. Like she's she's still playing all these like fast arpeggios and like beautifully like constructed licks in her little improvised piano solo, even though she's totally distracted. And like that's it just totally broke the fantasy for me to assume that a musician who's sort of in a violent situation, their hands would just take care of the rest while they were distracted. But um I don't know, that's a dumb little well, you know, it's nitpick. M- music is an important part of, uh, you know, this movie. Yeah. Uh, right, because of as much as like Casablanca. Yeah. Um. Yes, it probably would have been better for her to subtly like mess up the uh, piano. What probably yes. like the the actress probably did not play piano, or otherwise. No. Well, th- I mean, the point is that that much is obvious. And whoever was in charge was not doing a good job of sort of choreographing the piano playing with what was going on in the scene. That's my point. Yeah. But. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Well, we both we both agreed that it was our favorite movie of the three. Yes, it was. Absolutely. It's very it's very tight. It was very tight. I really liked that. You know, I think both of us have expressed um, our preferences about uh, our preferences movie about length. movie length, movie tightness. It's very important. Yes. Yeah, perhaps Melville's best, at least the best that I've seen. Best that I've seen as well. Agreed. So. That leaves us with a final film. Mm-hmm. On Fleek. Yes. His on, last on Fleek, movie, I believe. Movie. His last movie before he died. Uh, That's right. Very That's young. Right. So, something like at 45 or something like that. I don't think he killed himself. I think it was like a tragic accident. Well, anyway, why don't you... Introduce on fleek. So, on fleek. Uh, a movie about a heist. Yes, a classic heist on the Mediterranean shore. That's right. There's it, a heist. It actually, it it um, it reminded me a little bit of the French Connection. Because that also starts in like Marseille and areas around that. Nice. I think this, yeah, I think this was based in Nice. So in this movie, they do the heist. There's the here, there's the heroic guy at the bank who says, I'm not going to let this go down and, and wounds one of their men. They don't know what they're going to do with him. They put him in a hospital. Um, but the police are already on to them at that point. 
Then they steal drugs from another gang uh, off a train. And the police keep getting closer and track down one of the gangsters. And then finally, when the ringleader of sorts, the nightclub owner, Simon, catches wind that they're closing in, he alerts the final member of the gang who can't escape and only Simon is left. And even though he's close to tasting freedom when he's confronted by the cops, he commits what we said before, he commits suicide by cop. So another uh, thrilling criminal tale. My little yes. nitpick on this one that I noticed to get ahead of the way is that the 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 train robbery where they sort of lower themselves into the train from a helicopter it is mm-hmm. it is just so in your face obvious that it's a dummy <laughs> that it's like a toy train <laughs> it's, it's hard to ignore but um yeah that's what 70 72 will get you at least on right. the french budget that's right Yes. Um, I would say the train heist, in principle, is thrilling. But when it was actually implemented, it kind of just felt like they wanted to use a helicopter. Yeah. It was probably the worst part. Agreed. Of the movie. Yeah, let me. Th- yeah. Um, well, there's also the, there's also the Kathy connection here, right? That the sort of love interest of Simon is also involved with the um, with the police officer, with the police detective. That's right. Oh yes, and she's trans. Is that true? No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Yes, yeah. Oh, yes, the inform the informant is trans. Um, the informant is trans. But the informant is trans, the girl in the the yeah, in a relationship. I confused the two of them as well, but they're two separate people. Yes. She was kind of fairly well passing. <laughs> the, the the informant. The trans especially yeah. for 1972. Well, um, you know, well, I mean, I suppose so, I guess. There's two schools of thought about that, right? That on the one hand, you'd say, well, they didn't have access to, like, the hormones or the technology they have now. But on the other hand, there was, like, now the problem is that there's sort of a lionization of non-passing trans people, right? That, like, part of, of like, being rebellious and countercultural is being a trans person who doesn't pass that well at all because, like, screw your beauty standards or whatever. So... I think that a lot of what they would call back then transvestites tried to look as feminine as they could because that was the point. So true. Also, also is less like like people were less likely to consider sure. that someone was trans. So, but I mean, yeah, like, I, it, I wasn't it, it, thinking of it. that's been going on in the big city forever. Um, if you look in the right places, but yeah, I hear what you mean. Yeah, but but. Uh, yes, you were not talking about the trans informant. You were talking about the 
woman that both the nightclub owner and the detective were in some sense romantically involved with. Yes. Yes. Um, what else can we say about this? I think the bank heist went, was really well orchestrated. I think the chase was good in like the the entire plot where the um the detectives were chasing the car and the, the people were hiding and stuff like that um i i did feel sometimes that i couldn't remember like who is who when they were switching yes i agree in the samurai, it was pretty obvious. Uh, in this, it was less so. so yeah, well, it, especially kind of threw me for a loop. A lot of a lot of the sort of police officers who are working with the detective um, could be confused with the uh, the heist gangsters. There was a, there was a yeah. scene where they were where they were like walk, they were like looking for them on the train, and it looked like Alan Delon, who was the detective, was walking along having a conversation. With one of the criminals, and I said, "What's going on?" And no, they're just yeah. both sort of like bland-looking fifty-year-old French guys. Yeah, I mean, I get that they were trying to blend in, but that makes it. I guess okay, maybe French people are ba- better at uh, telling between. Yeah, the they all look the same people. to me. Yeah, they're they're like, yes. <laughs> it's that. Uh, it's yeah. the, the, those. Those Gallic features just all blend together. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the, I thought the uh, the train scene was poorly done, but it was uh, it was sort of sandwiched in there to be more actiony. Like it it didn't move. The, I mean, no one really got caught doing it, so it didn't move the plot too significantly. But you know, yeah, the heroin heist thing was. Yeah, it definitely could have been cut. Yeah, I think that, I think that another thing with this, and I mean with any of these movies, with this or or Le Samurai, is that so many, you know, suspenseful crime thrillers since then um, have tropified so many of these things that it's not as novel or. Um, or interesting to us because you know we've we've seen a hundred movies like this, but yeah. this was still sort of this was still sort of cutting edge for its time, um, and that's something. I mean, that's something that can be said for you know classic cinema always, but this is not you know this is not the highest of highbrow cinema, and what maybe we miss out on is to say, well, this reminds me of plenty of other suspenseful crime thrillers is that, well, it was doing it long before they were, right? Um, And the heist movie now is a formula, basically, right? Like, whether it's this movie or Heat, and I mean, I'm just talking about the good ones, right? And there's like, you could add another hundred. I mean, we could, frankly, we could go into a whole nother thing, you know, we could do another episode if we wanted about, all the great heist movies, because um, there's a lot of really good ones. Starting with the Great Train Robbery, baby. Yeah, 
So do we have any closing right. thoughts on uh Well, think? yeah, I think it might be important to everyone knows that there was a French new wave and there was uh big players in it, obviously, you know, Francois Truffaut, you got Jean Luc Godard. Melville yes. is not one of the least known, but he's he's kind of in the middle there. Um I think me and Mahoney have basically we've made the case that he's a talented director, but probably is deserving of his middling uh Yes, I think that's very fair. But yeah, I agree with you on Melville. Um his stuff is good. I'm sure if I was a I'm sure if I was, you know, a teenager when Les Samurai came out, I would have loved it. But do I, you know, with with the benefit of hindsight, can we look back and say that he was a pivotal filmmaker, you know, in in, in the generation that changed film of the 60s and 70s? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with no. I'm going to say he wasn't. Sorry, Jean. Yeah, sorry, Jean. All right. Well, we hope that this episode of Filmoids has been enlightening and entertaining.